From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents Jordan Brickman with us. It is Kia NBA tip-off for 2023-2024 in the National Basketball Association. Jordan, it's a brand new Knicks season. Sure is. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It is my pleasure uh, to have you back. Right, two news items here before we break down the squad. Number one, uh, yesterday at 6 p.m. was the deadline for anybody on a rookie contract to have an extension. A whole bunch of guys got him. Some did not. And Emmanuel quickly was one of those who did not get one. Your first reaction was? I wasn't surprised. I was hopeful. I really wanted them to sign one. Uh, obviously, he's a very valuable player. and has a lot of different elements to the Knicks team that they, that they need. The sense I got from the reporting is the Knicks were trying to give him around four years, eighty-four million or so, and Emmanuel wanted, uh, you know, hundred million dollar deal. Reasonable that he feels that way. You know, he gets into restricted free agency, has another good year like he did this year. I could see a team offering him that. There are players that are better than him that have uh, contracts that are lower than that. And there are players that are worse than have contracts that are that are that are higher than that. So it makes sense that he's that he's thinking that way. He's going to bet on himself. Say, if I can have the same years last year or better, uh, I'll get a nine-figure deal in, in free agency, and the Knicks will have the right to match or, or trade him. So I think it makes sense. Look, the Knicks are still still hold the rights to him, obviously, during the season here, and, and then in the offseason they can do a sign-and-trade, or they can just sign him outright. Um, they still control their destiny. The Knicks are basically making probably like a $20 million bet or so um, by letting him over, over four years, by letting him not sign the deal and not sign him to a contract right now. And everyone knows, as I'm sure we'll talk to you, that the Knicks are still big fish hunting. And quickly is a guy that every team has a need for a guy that quickly, and he's young, two-way player, can stretch the floor. Every team can use a guy like him. And the Knicks still hold the power when, when it comes to quickly in, in terms of matching any deal and still hold it, holding the contract this year. So disappointed they didn't get to a, a team-friendly deal, but I think quickly is well within his right to say, I want a nine-figure contract, and I'm going to hold out till till next summer. Which dovetails perfectly into news item number two, which is the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, is reporting that, quote, Leon Rose has made obtaining uh, uh, Joel Embiid, if he becomes available, the, uh, his number one priority, according to sources, uh, willing to offer a package that includes Randall, Barrett, Fournier, Robinson, um, you know, some three players from that group, plus two or three picks. First thing, I keep forgetting that Evan Fournier is on the Knicks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So out of the rotation, I forget that he exists on this team. Number two, still big fish hunting. Obviously, it will not be Giannis. He signed his extension last night. Your thoughts on this report and how this, you know, uh, parlays into everything? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. MB is certain. I think the Sixers are a team that's going to struggle this year, especially with all the Harden um, nonsense hanging over the team. You know, Nick Nurse is a good coach and. I think he'll, he'll get them organized, but there's a talent gap that they have amongst the rest of the NBA. Embiid, it's, it does not that they have a, neat, a hole at center, but Embiid is a massive upgrade over a guy like Mitch in terms of our offense. And the other options out there that are rumored to be to be available, Cat, Donovan Mitchell, Embiid is way better than those guys. You know, you add a Cat to this team, I don't think they're a title contender. You add a Donovan Mitchell to this team, I don't love the fit next to Brunson, and I still don't think they're a title contender. You add, add those guys to the team. Not saying overnight they become a title contender with Embiid, but they're much closer than they would be with those other guys there. So it makes sense he's the one they're focusing on. And by the way, that package of, uh, let's say it's Fournier, RJ, Mitch, and two or three first-round picks, that is the exact price that I would pay for Embiid. I don't want to be 
trading five first-round picks and quickly and Grimes and all those guys. Right. Um, I think if you can give Mitch, Mitch and Embiid, it makes sense to me they're going to be swaps because they can't really work together um, <laughs> on the Knicks and the Sixers would need a replacement. And Mitch is a very team-friendly and contract and player, so that makes sense. Sure, you can take RJ and take a couple picks um, and then we'll build around Embiid with Brunson and then our, our bunch of wings that are versatile and can, can do different things. And we still have more picks and cap space. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know if the Sixers are going to be willing to trade within the division. Uh, that could be a, a mistake, but if they're rebuilding and they're, you know, they've shown in the past they're willing to lose for a while, I guess who cares who, where you're trading them if you're trying to lose anyway. So, um, that makes sense to me. I don't know if we'll see it happen during the regular season. I think it's probably a, an off-season thing where the Sixers have a disappointing year. Hopefully the Knicks can continue to develop um, and have have another strong year. And then Embiid says, all right, move me. Hey, look, but if Harden stays there and he's not playing and they're losing and maybe an injury or two happens and they're really kind of having the tough, they're under 500, maybe Embiid does ask for a trade at the, at the deadline and things get more interesting. Yeah, this is something that I think, I think this – more than some others, this really involves Harden and what Harden wants to do. And I think nobody knows what he does. I mean, he flies out to Colorado Springs where they're having training camp and then doesn't practice. Very, some very odd behavior out of Mr. Harden, who I don't know how to read, even after all these years. Um, and and uh, by the way, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, huge golfer. He's become an addict. Has a golf simulator in his house the whole nine yards. So I'll, I will just throw that one out there. Talking with Jordan Brickman here on our Knicks preview podcast. So we are running it back with all I think you said with essentially the same unit, the same rotation. So from this basic same unit as last year, A or are you happy with that fact? Then B, where do you need to see the upgrades? Who needs to pick it up? Yeah, I'm happy with the running it back. I didn't want them to force you know, again, like trading for a cat or trading for someone like that that doesn't necessarily, where they, they give a bunch of their chips and they walk away from it not being in a necessarily better position with the team. So I'm, I'm happy that they're running it back. At the end of the day, they have a very young team. The entire core is under 30 years old. Crazy. Um, they're, they, in theory, they should all be getting better. You know, maybe a guy like Randall is kind of, we know what he is at this point, but for the most part, the rest of the team should be improving year over year. Even Brunson improved the second half of last year. We'll see if he can continue that. So, I'm fine with maintaining the flexibility. Let's see if the assets can continue to develop, right? Like, if Quickly takes a step, if RJ takes a step, if Grimes takes a step, those guys are now either part of your core or are more valuable on the market, and that's that's great. Um, I think that, you know, you would assume they're not going to get worse, so in theory their value will either stay the same or increase, so I have no problem with that. Continuity is good. I think a lot of times in all sports, teams are too quick to blow things up, fire the manager, fire the coach get rid of the player because it wasn't exactly leading win a title. Um, but I think the team showed a lot of progress last year, good chemistry. They have really good contracts, the hard contracts, a nice contract for the team. Everyone, Randall's on one of the best contracts in the NBA, Brunson, Mitch, all these guys are on excellent contracts. So let's keep it together until it, until it makes sense to kind of go for the, the big fish like we just kind of chatted about. Uh, as far as what they're missing, Everyone's going to talk about the backup power forward. Uh, I'm surprised they let go of Rubio. They brought him back on exhibit, uh, exhibit 10 contract, but um, it would be nice if they had someone that wasn't Jericho Sims as the backup for. I like Sims' defensive versatility, but his inability to score the ball on anything past dunks is, is not good enough to play four, maybe back at five. 
he's a little smaller than Echo 5, so he's kind of a tweener. Um, you know, a couple guys got released yesterday um, that are interesting out there. I don't know if the Knicks are going to poke around. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is interesting. Even a guy like Rudy Gay is a free agent. He can kind of throw in as a as a backup force. We'll see if they they, they kind of bring in some veteran depth. Taj Gibson got released yesterday. Um, you know, Tips is old favorite. So I'd like to see them bring somebody in that is reasonable and can play minutes, especially against some teams that have more size, like the Timberwolves, for example, outside of their conference. But if you play a team like that that has Cat and Gobert, how do you match up with them with Josh Hart as your, as your backup for? But also, I like that it's more modern. I like that they're willing to spread things out and they're recognizing some of their that they need more shooting and um, DiVincenzo is a 40% shooter and can do multiple things with the, with the ball in his hands. Um, he's going to, he had, he had the most, if he was on the Knicks last year, he would have had the most deflections on the roster. Um, really? And now that's interesting. Yes. That. yes. Qu- quickly, quickly had the most of the team and DiVincenzo I think had like 40 huh. more than him. Um, and you saw in a preseason, he had multiple pick fields pocket multiple times. And yep. The Knicks don't have a lot of guys that force turnovers. RJ doesn't force turnovers. Randall doesn't force turnovers. Brunson doesn't. You know, quickly does. Grimes does. Hart does. But they don't have a lot of guys that do it. Um, so having another guy that gets those ball in his hands that can get them out running in transition, just get those easy buckets, that's valuable. So, you know, it's the same thing everyone says. The backup four is the big concern. But, you know, how many minutes a night is that going to actually hurt them? Five to ten, maybe 15 minutes. It really hurts them if someone goes down with an injury, yeah. uh, particularly Randall. Um, so hopefully... You know, the Knicks have been pretty durable over the years, the last few years, especially Randall and RJ. And Brunson's usually durable, so hopefully they can maintain that. Um, but they have depth. Depth is also valuable. Just that's one of their key, their key strengths. Just not so much at the four position in particular. And if a Randall does get hurt, even for a game or two, they're going to be at a, at a deficit there, depending on the matchup. If we can just have some less Randall time on court stats this year just just don't fall down every single time buddy just don't fall down <laughs> yeah hopefully, hopefully the ankle is fully recovered it seems like it is but hopefully the ankle is good to go yes. uh, as well speaking of Dante from you know look in preseason is is just you know it's a crap shoot you've got odd lineups the Knicks played who was that uh, Boston I think it was who sent nobody of note down there and then we did the same thing on a on a on a, on a flip trip or something like that so it's hard to tell but from what you saw is Dante was Dante the right signing, the right kind of person to fit into this roster, and and importantly into Tibbs' rotation? Well, I'm curious to see how the actual minutes will shake up. You know, like you said, we never really saw a full game with all the players playing, so we don't know what the rotation will look like. Does he take Obi's 15 minutes? Is that the plan? Um, and then that's that's really it. And then you just kind of move hard over. Divincenzo comes in, and Divincenzo is playing 15 minutes a night. Um, if, that, if that's what happens, then I guess everyone else kind of stays the same easily. I would like to see Grimes scaled up in terms of his offensive role. I want to see him look for him more. His three-point shooting is a weapon on the team that needs to be utilized more often. It will open things up, so I'd like to see them utilize him more. I'd like to see Randall's role scaled back a bit, try to use him more as um, a part of, not, not the offense or one of the main cogs of the offense, but a part of the offense. You know, we talked about this with Melo a lot. Yeah. Oh, Melo was so much more valuable when he was off the ball and cutting and moving and not just playing iso ball. Be a part of the offense, not be the offense. And a lot of times, you know, you get the ball to Randall to the to the high post or free throw line extended and just let him go to work. I'd rather see him cutting and screening and moving off the ball more. And hopefully that can make him more efficient and have more, more legs behind him when, when they need him at a later stage in the game. So 
I'm curious how the, his time will be, be used. I, I don't want to see him getting minutes, at least not major minutes, over quickly, over Grimes, over those guys. So um, we'll see. We'll see kind of how, how it all shakes out. But he checks all the same boxes that Josh Hart checks, that that Brunson checks, that these guys check with hard worker, can you know, good character guy, can do, can play both ways, can shoot the ball, can play defense, gritty, will dive on the floor, get the 50-50 balls. You know, excuse me, the Knicks have a team of all guys that do that. So add him to the mix, it can't hurt, right? And especially in the regular season when you need that depth, that depth will get tested. Um, and you need that three-point shooting because three-point variance is so valuable nowadays uh, on a game-to-game basis. Having another guy that can hit three threes a night uh, or on a given night is, is valuable. And you can another guy to throw, throw at the wings. One thing they are missing, though, is depth uh, for big wings. You know, a lot of their guards are like 6'5". Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, DiVincenzo, Grimes, I think Hart is around 6'5". Barrett, I think, is 6'6". Six, six. So, you know, you play a team like Tatum, uh, as a guy like Tatum or Jalen Brown who has big wings, Knicks don't have a lot of those guys. So I wish I wish DiVincenzo or one of the other guys was a little bit bigger. Uh, but with that said, they have a lot of bodies to throw at them, a lot of fresh different looks they can give them, and they got Mitch patrolling the paint, uh, which, is, which is valuable as well. So that's the one thing I wish DiVincenzo kind of brought to the team was maybe a bit more size on the wing. Uh, he's similar size to everyone else, but he, he checks all of those boxes that everyone else checks, and, and he can shoot the three, maybe at the highest percentage of the team, uh, if Grimes doesn't take that leap, so that, that's super valuable. Uh, quick aside there, you, you talked about Grimes, you worked all offseason with J.J. Redick, you were probably loving that because that's your, your, your boy. How excited are you to see if J.J.'s uh, uh, tutoring has, uh, uh, has transferred over to the regular season? Yeah, I mean, he worked with Tim Hardaway, uh, senior as well. Um, I'm working on diff- different elements of, of his game. Um, it, it's exciting. I just, I just worry that he's not going to be a focal point of the offense. You know, you look at the team, and RJ and Brunson and Randall are going to have monster usage rates. And then you watch Grimes, like even in the preseason game or the last few games, the end of last season, the regular season, when a bunch of guys were sitting. Grimes can scale up his role and he can score the ball. And when he's confident and he's empowered to shoot and create, he'll do so. Uh, and if he's not empowered to create, then he won't. He will stand and wait for the three ball and hopefully he's in rhythm that night. And that's how his role has, has been uh, the last year or so on, on the team. But you saw it even in summer league too last year. Uh, you know, when he, ha- when he, he can create, he can go to the rim, he can, he's a very quick first step. Uh, one of the quickest I've seen in the NBA off a catch and shoot. So uh, I'd like to see him be utilized a little more as a as a ball handler and just see if they can get him to become, can he score 12 a game, something like that, in that range, low, low teens maybe, very low teens, um, at a 40% clip from three. If he's more empowered to do to shoot uh, off the dribble, he, I think he had three or four pull, uh, off the dribble threes in the preseason game where he had seven threes. I want to see him be more involved with that and not just be strictly a catch and shoot guy or a tackle off the catch guy. So hopefully they can do that. Maybe if he plays more with the second unit, he can get involved there. But um, that's what I'd like to see. See out of Quinton is hit, hit forty percent from three and, and be a little more aggressive with his playmaking and tacking the rim. Jordan Brickman here on teeing it up. Um, let's talk about Mitchell Robinson's free throws. They were. Um how do I put it? Um, not the purest looking free throw uh, motion last year. He says that he's improved on it. And Mike Green says it all the time. Late games, this stuff matters. And, and, and if you're going to be a playoff team, this stuff really matters. Do you believe, as somebody who, who, who plays the sport every day, 
are you in belief when you see Mitch's shot, whether it's preseason or going into the season, are you a believer in his free throw shooting yet? I mean, you know, if you look at Mitch's career trajectory, uh, his free throw shooting wasn't that bad when he got to the NBA. It's gotten worse since he, as his career has gone on. And to me, that's all uh, a combination of reps and focus at the line. Um, you know, if you recall, the Heat did a hack of Mitch yeah. twice, uh, and I think game five it was, uh, and Mitch hit three or four free throws, which is great. That was, that was, that was, that made them stop doing it immediately. Yeah, it was crucial. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that he has the ability to hit 65% from the free throw line. Like, can he get up to 70? I don't know if he can get that high, but he needs to be over 50% and ideally well over 50%, closer to 60%, and then the hack and Mitch stuff goes away. Yeah, you see him in the offseason shooting, pull back, you know, the, the, the step back threes uh, <laughs> out there. And it's like, can you just develop one post move? Can you... <laughs> Can you have one hook shot or, you know, hit 75% of your free throws before you do anything else? I get that stuff's not the fun things to work on, but, um, yeah, to me, to me, it's, it's the reps. He has that little hitch in his shot, but that's not always, that's not a deal breaker for something like a free throw, where that's usually a pretty simple shot, especially a guy that's seven feet tall with his reach. He's so close to the rim already from the free throw line, doesn't have to shoot it that far. Um, it's just about can you, can you, uh, do that, that, that motion. Uh, can you repeat it the same way every time and, and have it be consistent with that, that repetition? And can you be confident up there um, to, to hit the shots? I remember, I believe it was last year, RJ, who is another guy that needs to work on his free throws, and he looked pretty good at preseason with, with his free throw form. Uh, they were talking about how he was cold last year from the free throw line, and he worked with his trainer, Drew Hanlon, to figure out what, what the problem was. And what Drew Hanlon said was he wasn't breathing, he wasn't inhaling and exhaling correctly hmm. with the shot. He wasn't inhaling when the shot was going up and exhaling on the release. And that was causing for his body to be a little more tighter, not as free-flowing. And, uh, and then his, all of a sudden his, his free throw percentage went way up over a long stretch of time. So it sometimes can be small things like that because, you know, you go to the line and you're an NBA player or even a low-level player like me, and it's like, I can hit this shot every time. And then obviously it rims out, you, you rush it, whatever it is. So uh, if, he's, if he practiced a lot on it and had repetition and maybe worked on his breathing and mindset at the line. You know, that's why these guys always have the same form when they're up there because it reminds them of working on it in the gym and kind of working on their, their you know, centering themselves and kind of being ready to quiet the storm essentially around them at a, in a crowd. So if we worked on all of those things, hopefully we'll see that, that free, those free throws numbers go up. One last Nick question for, for a bit with Jordan Brickman. Uh, that this second year, there's a great article, Fred Cast in The Athletic. It also ran in the uh, in, in, in the print New York Times itself on that second unit Deuce and, 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 and especially Isaiah Hartenstein's outlet passes they are something to believe sometimes they can be too far but that unit the way they want to run and, and how Tibbs loves for them to run sometimes they can be too much too fast but it's a gritty unit and you add Josh Hart in there it just it feels like that is the unit that can make or break some games especially in the second quarter and third quarters yeah, I'm not a big Deuce guy personally. Um, I think he's a, I think he's great in the role he has. Can spell people when there's injuries. Can be kind of can kind of change the pace defensively when you need him to against some some pesky guards. But I don't think his offense will be good enough to to be a regular rotation minutes guy. Um, but hard, uh, hard Stein and hard um, and quickly and all these guys. Yeah, the next bench is 
without question, one of the best benches in the NBA. Yeah. You know, quickly, almost out of recognition last year by getting second in six man. So people recognize he was an elite six man last year. Um, Hartenstein is a guy that's, you know, a top 35 center in the NBA, maybe. You know, I saw people on, on Grizzlies Twitter talking about how he's the perfect replacement for Steven Adams. Um, you know, so he's a guy that, you know, he's better than most backup centers in the NBA. He's, he, he can, he's even, you can have him out there as a starting center on some nights and he won't embarrass you and you can have some nice games. Um, and yeah, he has playmaking ability and can hit a jump shot once every five games, uh, which is better than some other centers. So, um, yeah, they have a really deep team. They, they, they're, they're going to win those minutes most nights when a bench comes in against other benches. That's why guys like quickly have tremendous plus minus because our bench is better than their bench. Yeah. So they're going to have, they're going to have good numbers there. And it's just on the starting lineup to, Maintain either you know keep the lead, maintain it, and then at the end of the game close close it out. So um, I, I think the, the bench is a big advantage for us. I meant to say this earlier too. They get into their sets way earlier, and the starters need to do this more. Get into the motions, get into the sets with like twenty seconds on on the play clock, not you know fifteen or ten or eight. Get the stuff moving. Get the stuff moving. That's what the Warriors, for example, have done so well for so long. Get stuff moving and when you do that good things tend to happen um yeah for sure i mean you know it's because there's not as many iso players on the bench right they're trying to run yeah. the whole offense they're you know brunson and randall and even rj they're trying to you know to get their shot going so um when you when you don't have guys that do that then you try to run more offensive sets the, the best of both worlds when you have the talent to score whenever you need to but you're still running a, a cohesive offense Speaking of the Warriors, they played uh, the, the uh, Spurs last week, and some of the Victor Webanyama stuff was just ridiculous. Um, now that you've gotten to see Wemby uh, play, and we will uh, tomorrow night on, on uh, Wednesday see him for the first time in a regular season game, but for the first time uh, seeing him in an NBA exhibition game, what were your thoughts coming away? Uh, yeah, incredible. The, the picture that I was taking of him blocking the Wiggins jump shot was yes. insane. Oh my god! Um, the, the, the verticality and the, and the reach on that is is unheard of, essentially in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just you, you hope he stays healthy, of course. I find it hard to believe that he'll be a uh, highly efficient shooter to start the season, to start his career. I think his I think his three point shooting will not be. Um, a strong suit, but it'll be something that'll be part of his game, obviously, to start. I remember when KP first came in the league, he was still kind of figuring out his body. Um, and he would have games where he hits five threes, yes, but then he would have games where he can't get anything going there because there's just a lot of movement when you're that size. Um, and then, you know, you're, they're going to see a lot of looks. You know, they, we'll see we'll see guys like Marcus Smart guard him and how does he handle against, you know, kind of a, a, a fire hydrant uh, guard. Or, and then you'll see stronger stronger big man guard him um, and then you'll see you know guys like Mitch guard him and how does he do against the KP or the Chet Holmgren highlights in the preseason how does he do against guys like that that are maybe can't match his length but can still throw some length at him that he might not be used to um, but I think that this, you gotta be physical with a guy like that you gotta bump him off the spots he's not gonna have a strong core relative to the people he's so tall um, you know I remember with KP I keep running back to KP because they're similar builds um Draymond Green completely owned KP when he first came in the league. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything against, against Draymond Green because Draymond was the, the more compact, stronger guy that would get up into his body and wouldn't let him have any movement, basically. So we're going to see how he reacts to that. It certainly seems like he is 
extremely athletic for the size, more so than, than KP was, bigger than KP, uh, more fluid athlete, can do more things. But the, he had that pass also on the baseline, like the reverse pass behind the back. That was ridiculous. Um, he just seems more skilled than a guy like Porzingis was, at least early on his career. Um, but, you know, it's the same concerns, though. Can he stay healthy? Can he deal with the rigors of an NBA season? Will his body hold up? And what happens when you get physical with him? It seems like he has some, some dribble moves and can be more um, agile around the rim. But well, those are the questions that we'll have to answer. Can, can, he, can he hold up throughout the whole season? But he certainly is going to be a, a big floor raiser for that defense for the Spurs. He's going to protect the rim. He's going to block shots from three. Um, you know, I love Devin Vassell next to him. He's, he's also a very, very strong defender. Of course, they have Popovich there, so I think that team's going to win some games, and and they'll have some some fun moments. I just hope that Webinyama can stay healthy because he's going to be a problem in the NBA. You know, I would love to see like him guard Zion, just like two opposite yes. styles. Yes. Oh happens. my God! Yeah, um, and see how that how that goes. Or even LeBron, a completely different you know build, but still like somebody who's literally like a linebacker force of nature in LeBron, and then someone who's as skinny as tall as. Uh, as uh, Wemby is, uh, that'll be very interesting when Spurs yeah, Lakers. Too. Yes, exactly. Great, uh, great call there. Your in-season tournament thoughts? I don't know. Why do I care about it? Uh, <laughs> like, there's just not. Like, I'm happy the players are getting more money, but and the guys that really need the money are the guys that are the 12th, 13th man that are not even playing in the right. game. Um, I think there needs the stakes need to be raised. It needs to be you know whatever you get a free you're, you're guaranteed home court for the first round of the playoffs. You're you're guaranteed to make the playoffs in general or something. I mean, obviously, the, I think over time if this tournament's here to stay, we'll see some kind of fluky winners of the NCAA tournament, like teams that are not title contenders winning it because it's such short. Like the Knicks are certainly a team that could win the tournament. The yes, tournament. exactly. They. they um, I don't think the Knicks are going to win the title, but they're a team that could win the tournament. They're and also time of year because of injuries. Sure, because of injuries, are guys really going to play? You know, again, they may play in the playoffs, but would play a regular season game. Are they going to really go above and beyond for that for the in-season tournament? Um, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fun because single elimination. You know, you still want your team to win anyway, so I'm sure that'll have some fun elements to it. But I don't know why I, I'm, I, I can't imagine I'm going to treat it like it's a playoff game. Um, you know, maybe maybe if they make the finals of it, then maybe I'll get really into it. I'm like, eh, this would be fun to win this and kind of, you know, win the first one and, and get behind the team. But um, I just don't really know why I care. Um, if it led to less regular season games and thus healthier players and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know if it's necessarily accomplishing that. Uh, but we'll see. Once it starts, we'll see if I feel different. Um, I'll be attending some of the, some of the games. So... Yep, you know, I'll be rooting for the next either way. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I don't know. I don't know why I care about it necessarily. I, I do like the fact that these early round games are regular season games. I, I do like that yeah. fact. If they were trying to add an, on, on top of adding, then that would be problematic. But for most teams, this is not going to be a, a major issue because they will not make the finals of the in season tournament. Any overall NBA thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, it's in the Easter Conference, it certainly seems like the Bucks and uh, the Celtics are the class of the East. Um, I think, you know, some, I've seen predictions that have the Knicks as high as three, as low as six. Ooh. The Sixers are going to be there because they have an MVP candidate and Embiid. The Cavs were a very regular season team last year. The Heat are always dangerous, and you never know. But I've seen, like, the Raptors or the Pacers or the Hawks or one of those other teams, Magic, one of those other teams kind of 
finally figure it out and have a great season or a good regular season. Um, so it certainly seems like it's Celtics, Celtics, Bucks. Both teams make monster moves. I love Dame and Giannis together. It seems like they haven't figured out exactly in the preseason yet. But, you know, neither guy has played with someone like the other guy has in their career. They've never played with such ball dominant, uh, Hall of Fame level level players such as those two guys before. So they'll figure it out. Might be a little slow, but they'll figure it out at some point. Um, and that's very exciting. I love that Dame's going to be on the East Coast. And Dave's going to get a lot of playoff run, and we're going to hopefully get to appreciate how great he is because he's one of the more underrated players in the NBA. And now everyone thinks he's great, but you know, if Steph never existed, Dame would be the guy that everyone's talking about that that changed the game. Um, and his his range and, and his his skill set is, is tremendous. And um, he did have a good all season in terms of his narrative and wanted to go to the Heat and things of that nature, but he's still a very likable player, in my opinion. I think the Celtics are the team that uh, comes out of the East, if healthy. They have very little depth at the 4-5 position, um, and the guys they have there are either not young or are not durable, and KP and Horford. Horford's quite old. The performance level could fall off a cliff at any moment, and he's just old, and can he maintain against you know a whole regular season and a whole postseason against young bulls out there? Um, and KP, we all know he has durability issues. He does seem to be an excellent fit for the team offensively, though. Uh, and Drew is, a, is an upgrade over a guy like Marcus Smart. So I still I think the Celtics are probably the team I would pick if all is healthy, but I'll be rooting hard for, for a team like the Bucks if they were to play them in the postseason. And then in the West, you know, the Nuggets, obviously, you know, they lost guys like Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and they replaced them essentially internally. They didn't really go out and sign other guys. They just said, you know, we're going to draft well, and we're going to develop our, our, our rotation guys. That's how we're going to build long-term success. But they got Jokic, and Jokic is a monster to deal with. Um, so they're certainly the class of the West, but the Suns are interesting. Another team with very little depth at the big men position, just Nurkic, who also has health issues. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the Lakers, I love the Lakers moves. They have a lot more depth, a lot more versatility out there. Um, you know, LeBron's getting up there. He showed that he basically can't carry a team for an entire playoff game, much less a playoff series, but he certainly has moments of elite LeBron level over stretches of times in a game, in a series, over over period of over months or weeks. Uh, but it doesn't seem like he's the guy that can put up, you know, the 50-point triple-doubles that maybe he once was able to do with the Heat and the Cavs back in the day. Um, so they're going to need people to, to perform. They're going to need AD to be a superstar. He was not consistently that last year. Austin Reeves is a great player. they got a lot of good rotation guys behind him, um, and then we'll continue to develop. So they're going to be dangerous. The Warriors are always going to be dangerous. Clay in a contract year, what does that look like? How does he play with his kind of, not back against the wall, that's too strong, but, you know, the, the next, the last big contract you're going to get is up for grabs right now. Will, will he play well enough to, to get that, that contract? And will it be with, with the Warriors? You would think it would be, but it would be interesting. I would not be surprised if he has a Trailblazer Scotty Pippen moment, um, at the end of his career here sure. somewhere else to show, to show he can. Um, so the West is wide open. The league is wide open in general. I mean, the Celtics and the Bucks, and the, and the Nuggets are probably the top three teams to, that are going to compete for a title. Uh, but they're all one injury away, one ankle tweak from here away, one other player getting, you know, taking a leap or one big trade away from uh, other teams getting in that conversation. So um, it's going to be a fun season. I love that it's so open that it's not, you know, Warriors-Cavs every year again like it used to be. Um, and I, I think I think it should be, should be a fun season. Amen to that. Uh, uh, Jordan Brickman here on Teeing Out. Two quick things. Number one, your Knicks prediction. Uh, they hit the over, which is about 44.5. They hit the over and get to 
high 40s, 47, 48 wins or so. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow start. Uh, they have a tough schedule to start the season. They go on the road. They always seem to open against the Celtics. Helps to be fired up for opening night with their new roster. Um, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow start, but they'll get there. Um, I think that they don't make a big trade during the regular season. I think it comes in the offseason, and I think it will come in the offseason, this offseason. I think it's time for a big trade to happen in the offseason next year. Um, and they lose in the second round again uh, to one, to a team that wins the Eastern Conference. They lose to either the Bucks or the Celtics, and that team will win the Eastern Conference. Um, so that's my, that's my prediction for them. I can see that. I can, I can definitely. I don't think they'll be a three as high as a three, but I can definitely see them, you know, having a solid year, losing in the you know first part of the Eastern Conference playoffs, or sorry, mid part of the Eastern Conference playoffs to somebody who then goes on and you know, uh, you know, has a uh, uh, potentially a, uh, a, a banner being raised towards the towards uh, the end of June. I can definitely see that. And finally, the segment we always forget to get to. The most overrated, ridiculous preseason thing, team, person you saw was? So I think uh, the team that I'm fading this year is the Kings. Um, I'm in a over-under pool, and uh, you get to lock two teams every year, like teams that you think are most likely to hit your prediction. And the, one of the ones I locked was the Kings. The reason for that is, um, you know, De'Aaron Fox was tremendous as a clutch player last year. They really are gonna, they won a lot of really close games. That usually is something that can be fluky and will likely swing the other direction at least a little bit. And they had tremendous health last year that generally does not last for a team, uh, year over year. Usually there'll be more injuries. If one year they're super healthy, next year generally there'll be more injuries. I know they're fairly young as a team, uh, but I do think that they, that there will be, um, some issues that pile up. And they had the new coach effect last year. Now it's the second year. Will some of his, kind of surprises catch up to them with the rest of the league and with his eternal team. So um, I think that's the team that I'm fading this year to, to have a – they were a home court team last year. I don't think that they're going to be a top eight team this year uh, in the NBA season. But I do think Keegan Murray takes a step and is quite a good player. There, there you have it. A fade of the Kings, and there you have your overall preseason NBA overlook from Jordan Brickman. Cheers to a new season, brother. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Looking forward to it. Yep, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. As usual, this will be the first of many as the season goes on. And thank you all for tuning in to today on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Shine. Have a great one, everybody.